0: Welcome into another episode of a Cali Green Monster Show. It's Thursday, February 18th, 2021. Coming from the lovely Tesla Studios, I'm your host, Dean Ryan. Broadcasting today, again, out of lovely San Diego. It's a nice sun, sunny morning. It's a little chilly, but I'll take 47 degrees compared to that shit weather the rest of the country's having. If anyone's out there dealing with that, all that ice and snow and cold and just plain miserableness that Mother Nature is bringing it down on you. I wish you guys the best of luck, and hopefully it's over soon. Not too often is San Diego really in the headlines for the sports news, especially since we lost the San Diego Chargers up north to L.A. So really the only thing we have to look forward to is goals hockey, minor league hockey, and san diego padres we've also got a couple other random professional sports i think we have professional lacrosse and something else but let's be real i don't think we're paying attention to any of those hopefully we can get an xfl team that'd be pretty dope but let I'm, me i'm i'm rambling going into a different direction the reason why i'm bringing up san diego sports is because last night Some of you might have heard, especially if you're a baseball fan or a sports fan in general, the San Diego Padres locked up their young shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. They signed him to a 14-year, $340 million contract. And when I'm saying locked up, I mean, it's like I guess they have him signed now until he's 36, which, let's be real, I highly doubt he's going to be a Padre by the end of this contract. That's just how these things usually work. But at 22 years old, Fernando Tatis Jr. only has two years of MLB experience or service time. So that means the Padres technically didn't have to pay him big money for at least another four years. So the way the MLB works is you have to have six years of service time with your basically the club that you're under contract with whether you're drafted there or you're traded to the team you have to be under contract for about six years so most MLB players don't even get into the major leagues until their early 20s that's what's pretty interesting about Fernando Tatis Jr he's 22 years old and he's already cashed in on some of this big money and if you're it, when I heard that I immediately went Fernando Tatis Jr.'s agent must be the best agent in the world because this news is coming just maybe a month after we found out that Fernando Tatis Jr. is also going to be on the cover of MLB The Show, the only baseball game that's on platforms. It's the biggest baseball game. So, man, Fernando Tatis Jr. is just cashing in money on video game checks. I'm sure he's got some baseball sponsors, and now he's making a fat salary all at 22 years old. That's pretty crazy, man. I don't know if it was the smartest move by the Padres. It's like on one hand, I do appreciate ownership in team that's not afraid to spend and to try to go and win. You know, I'm a fan of the Red Sox, and I do appreciate when they're actually trying to go and win. Sometimes they don't do it in the smartest way, and I feel like that could potentially be the issue with the Padres at the moment. They already have position players on contract for a lot of money they have Eric Hosmer their first baseman that they've signed to a big like seven year 180 something million a few years back and they signed Manny Machado their third baseman to a 300 million dollar contract and now they have Fernando Tatis Jr. for a 300 million dollar contract and no matter what you slice it you know you know you could say that these owners are rich and that they can afford all this stuff and there's no salary cap and they can afford the luxury cap but at the end of the day san diego isn't really a big considered a big market it might be considered a big city in the united states but it's not really a big market compared to you know los angeles houston new york so having a lot of that kind of money on the books already doesn't really leave much much flexibility to build a championship roster because the MLB, it's different than the NBA. The NBA, you can literally load up a team with you know two or three stars and just put pieces around and go win a championship. But the MLB, it's completely you need an entire team and you need luck. But, I mean, you need to be able to build an entire team. So, it's the Padres. You could you can give them some sort of credit for attempting to do that this offseason. They went out and got you Darvish and Blake Snell. But the thing is, these are two pitchers that I feel like it could, it's potential like fool's gold. You know, they you Darvish is someone that – that was a bad contract that Chicago signed. It was like they signed him shortly after he completely imploded in the World Series, whether – you can attribute his poor performance in the World Series to Houston and their sign stealing, so maybe that's what kind of caused it, but I feel like that left a bad taste in my mouth with you Darvish, and I feel like he kind of hasn't been that pitcher that he was when he first broke into the league with Texas straight from Japan, and I know he had a good year last year, but I think anything that you took from last year, you have to take with a grain of salt. That game was only, that season was only 60 games. And when you think about it, an actual MLB season is 162. So that's not even half a season. There's lots of players that can be good for half a season and then completely fall off for half. And especially with pitchers, the way that, the wear and tear arms get as the season goes along. So I'm not 100% Darvish is the answer for the rotation. And then Blake Snell, this is a guy who's really good. He's a former Cy Young winner. And the last we saw of Blake Snell, he was in the World Series with the Rays, pitching against the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he was killing it. And he got pulled, I think it was after the fifth inning, and a lot of people disagreed with that. And the Dodgers ended up going and winning. But the thing is that, with that they made that move for a reason they showed this you would see the splits with blake snell and he was a dominant pitcher from innings one through four and then once it basically you go through that third time through the rotation starting around the fifth and sixth inning his numbers are drastically worse so i don't know if that guy is the answer for the rotation as well it's like I know it looks good with a young guy Cy Young but if he doesn't have the arm to be able to pitch into the seventh and eighth innings that's not really an ace of your rotation so while I do appreciate the owners going up and locking in their young superstar I mean Fernando Tossis Jr. he's someone that I anticipated only spending the first five or six years in San Diego and then going and cashing big money out in New York or up north in LA. So, it is cool that he is going to be a Padre for at least the foreseeable future. However, I think the problem is is that they're also in the NL West where the Dodgers are I think at this point they're the best organization in baseball. They not only have basically the most money to spend, they develop talent great. That's why it seems like every year they're able to trade for someone really good, or whoever the the biggest player on the trade market. It's because they're always developing prospects, so they always have prospects to be able to trade. Um, I think it's their their president of baseball operations, Friedman. He was from the Rays. You know, the Rays are notorious for being the best run baseball operation since they, you know, spend the le- the least amount of money but just continuously field good teams. So, you know, he's basically bring that Rays mentality to the Dodgers where he has the resources to build this juggernaut that he has so the Padres even with all these moves and you could say they won the offseason it's not going to mean shit unless they actually go and make it deep into the playoffs and actually win a world series with this contract the Padres for it to for it to to be deemed successful they're going to need to win a world series that's that's just how it's going to be and that's how we're going to be able to judge it and with Tatis signing this contract is pretty interesting because there's also a bunch of other big, sh- big name shortstops that are going to be due for contracts this coming year. You know, you got Francisco Lindor; he's the All Star shortstop that was playing for Cleveland, but the New York Mets traded for him, so they're going to have to pay pony up and pay for him. So he's about 27 years old. There's Trevor Story from Colorado, 28 year old shortstop. They just shipped out Nolan Arenado, so he's basically probably going to be looking to get paid some good money from Colorado. So that'll be interesting to see how much he gets. And then in LA, Corey Seager, he's 26 years old and he's been an excellent shortstop. I think he's a two time all-star. So he's going to demand a lot of money. So I think the owners for, yeah, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Rockies are probably not happy to see this big contract happen. Um, But so, because now they're big shortstops, Could possibly demand even bigger uh yearly annual salaries you know that's the one thing with the tatis jr thing is it is 14 years 340 million and it's only 24.3 it comes out to 24.3 year annual so it's still not the biggest contract of all time mike trout and mookie Bet still have more than that but francisco lindor or not francisco fernando tatis jr is right behind um, but yeah, like I said, we'll kind of have to see how this works for the Padres and see how this affects the contract extensions or free agent market of these other upcoming shortstops. Now let's switch in gears, go to the NFL, talk some football, it's the NFL offseason, so there's not much to talk about, but there is a lot of player movement and rumors that have been swirling around, and the first one I want to bring up is Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, or at least he's the quarterback at the moment. I don't even know if you can consider him the quarterback at the moment since Jalen Hurts took over the starting duties towards the end of the season. But basically the two teams that Carson Wentz is linked to is the Indianapolis Colts, who I mentioned a few weeks back, that I think that's where he's going to end up. And that's where Carson Wentz, according to reports, wants to end up. Or the other team is the Chicago Bears. So it seems like right now the reason why something hasn't happened yet or a move hasn't been made is that Chicago has apparently offered the better package for Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz has shown no interest in wanting to go to Chicago. And Chicago has reports are coming out that they're not going to be willing to trade for Carson Wentz unless he's 100% committed to the franchise, which – I totally agree. You don't want to bring in a guy or give up assets for a guy that doesn't even want to be there. They already had Jay Cutler as their quarterback way back when. Or not way back when, but, I mean, a a little while back. And I always thought he was just kind of like a sleepy Aaron Rodgers, you know, a guy that was good. But he just, like, looked like he was half awake and just didn't give a shit. So it's like the Bears they've had a quarterback carousel since that they, they drafted Trubisky and he hasn't really worked out they traded for Nick Foles and he, that experiment hasn't really worked out so now it seems like they want to bring in Carson Wentz which I think is interesting that's probably one of the reasons why you know with Nick Foles being there that's probably a reason why Carson Wentz doesn't want to go it's like dude the last time I've been on a team with Nick Foles that fucking guy stole my starting job and now there's a statue with him and my coach that I didn't hate outside of the stadium of the team I currently play for. So he probably just doesn't want to go to Chicago for a number of reasons. And also just Chicago has not had a good history with quarterbacks. So for a quarterback who really needs to rehabilitate and try to get back to the success that he had earlier in his career, Chicago might not be the best place, especially knowing that you're going to have to go up against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers a couple times a year. And I don't know if that's necessarily the most tantalizing thing to sign yourself up for and then Indianapolis of course he would wants to go there that that's a place that's built to win now they've got a really great offensive line they got a really great young running back in Jonathan Taylor great weapons strong defense that's just a team that is a quarterback away and I could see that that's why Indianapolis would like to take Carson Wentz because for all his faults I think he can be fixed. You know, their court, the the coach for the Indianapolis Colts is Frank Reich, and Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles back when Carson Wentz was having his like MVP level season. And so if there is someone that can rehabilitate Carson Wentz and his play style and everything, I think it's his former coach who he's had success with and also with a team that is built to win and then in addition indianapolis they play in a dome or in a they have a roof so i think that that's beneficial for anyone especially when you're starting to get to the latter like the second half of your career i'm not saying that carson wentz is old by any means i'm just saying that as your career goes on i imagine playing not in the snow and icy conditions can be appealing so i could just see for a number of reasons why carson wentz wants to go to indianapolis however Indianapolis apparently just doesn't want to budge with the trade offer. It hasn't been made public what the trade offer is. However, a couple of weeks ago, it was coming out that Philadelphia wanted at least a first or two first round picks for Carson Wentz, which seems completely insane. Cuz you look at what the Rams had to do to go get Matt Stafford, they had to give up Jared Goff and first round picks just to bring to flop to flip him for Matt Stafford. Carson Wentz is currently has probably the same trade value of Jared Goff. It's like they both have shitty contracts, they were both drafted around the same time. A lot of people don't have belief in them. So I don't know what the Eagles were thinking or expecting by saying that they want first round draft picks. So it seems like the rest of the league has called their bluff and Indianapolis is not budging. And I think that if Indianapolis just holds and You know, it's like I think that they're going to wind up with Carson Wentz because I don't think that Chicago is going to bring in a guy that doesn't want to be there. I think it'd be one thing if it was like someone like Deshaun Watson, who you know is a stud. And if you bring in, he's going to be good no matter what. But I think Carson Wentz is someone that, you know, he's he's got something wrong with him and he needs that to be fixed. And I think he needs a perfect environment for that to happen. So. I still think that the Colts is where he's going to end up. And I'm looking forward to that happening because I feel like once Wentz gets dealt, we're going to start to see more quarterback movement. I think we might see Deshaun Watson move. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to look at. And then the other bit of NFL news I wanted to discuss was a couple days ago, Rob Ninkovich, the former linebacker for the New England Patriots, he was on, I think, ESPN and Pat McAfee show and mentioning that he could see Gronk leaving Tampa Bay and going somewhere. In particular, he was mentioning Brian Flores. He used to be coach for New England and I guess has a good relationship with Gronkowski. So Brian Flores in in Miami with the Dolphins. And at first it kind of seemed like no way! What are you talking about? Gronk has already openly come out and said that Tom Brady is the only quarterback that he'd play for. That's the only reason he came out of retirement is because Tom Brady, you know, was going down to Tampa Bay and asked Gronk to come. However, you know, Gronk has and Gronk has already said that he wants to play next year. However, I feel like he's proven this last season, even that 32 years old and being retired and freshly coming back, that. He's still a top-five tight end, and if he's a top-five tight end, it's going to be curious to see how much Tampa Bay values him because they have about, like, going into this offseason, I think it's $18.5 million in cap space, and these are the guys that are free agents that they're going to have to sign. They've got outside linebackers, both Shaq Barrett and Levante David, Gronk, Dominican Sue, Leonard Fournette, the running back Antonio Brown, and then there's a list of other guys. So with only 18 and a half million dollars in cap, you're really they're really gonna have to figure out what they value most. Like for example, Shaq Barrett is someone I would think is important to that defense. You know, the pass rush was one of the bit most ex- reasons that they were so successful in defense last year. So and Shaq Barrett was a big part of that. But if you look, Shaq Barrett made about like fifteen and eight, $15.8 million last year. So that's almost the entirety of the cap space that they have coming into this offseason. So Shaq Barrett is probably going to be demanding a high price tag. So they're going to have to figure out what they want to do there. And Dominick Sue has said that he wants to come back, and he made $8 million last year. So right away, that's just two guys last year that it would already be over the amount of cap space. And I haven't even talked about Gronk. You know, Gronk, as I mentioned, he's a top-five tight end. And if you look at some of the other top tight ends that have signed big contracts, you got Travis Kelsey, who's making $14.3 million a year, and George Kittle from San Francisco is making $15 million a year. So Gronkowski, I feel like, if Tampa Bay is going to give him anything sort of his value that's even respectable, it has to be in like the 9 to $10 million range. I think last year he made about $9 million. And I think that that's a reasonable thing for him to be asking for. I, no matter what Gronk says about playing with Brady, and that's the owner quarterback he wants to play for. And I know he's been smart with his money. He's been famous in saying that, he hasn't spent any of his salary. Any of the money that he's spent has been his endorsement money. So he should be, you would think, he's fine with money. But at the end of the day, he's someone that you could tell does is cognizant of what his body's been through and the abuse it's taken in football. That's why he retired for a year. And I don't see this guy signing himself up to take that kind of abuse for just, like, pennies on the dollar. So that's what's going to, like, it's interesting with Tampa Bay is, like, are they going to focus on restocking, bringing back that defense and restocking it so it's good? Are they going to have to focus on bringing back Gronk? I mean, Antonio Brown's a free agent, but I don't see, I just don't see how they can bring him back either unless he takes a super discount. So, and then meanwhile, Gronk, that Gronk rumor to Miami, that makes sense. I mean, Brian Flores, ex new england coach there's a lot of former new england players down there it's south beach miami gronk is a known guy a guy that likes to have a good time and i could just see he would totally fit in with that in that miami just in that environment and especially with the offense that if they do decide to keep two as their quarterback a guy who's a size of a mountain and got huge ass hands that can bring a football down He'd be the perfect help for Tua, and yeah, I think that would be a great fit. I think it's interesting to see what Tampa Bay is going to do. I think something that could be what they could do if they don't want to sign Shaq Barrett for big money, because I don't see that guy taking a discount, and I think if they were to try to bring him back, that wouldn't really hinder their ability to bring back more people. They should look at J.J. Watt. I think that JJ Watt, he's someone that has also made a ton of money in his career, and I feel like he's probably out ring chasing right now. I think he's gonna sign for the place that he has the best chance to win. And they could probably see if they can sign him for you know a good like an affordable team friendly deal. You look at Indominus Sioux, for example, last year he made eight million dollars playing for Tampa Bay, and this year he's thirty four. I don't know what he'll be going into next season but you figure maybe you have Donaken Sue take a like a pay cut so from 8 million to maybe let's say 5 million have JJ Watt come in for a similar price you know that's that's two really good guys on your defensive line that you can have for about 10 million and still have some flexibility with the cap so i think it'll be interesting to see what Tampa Bay does i'll definitely be following it I don't think at the end of the day Gronk is going to be leaving Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, but I thought it was definitely an interesting scenario and something that's worth bringing up and talking about. And I definitely will be following up when we find out where Gronk goes and where a number of these other Tampa Bay pieces go. But with that, it's been another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. I really appreciate everyone that takes the time to listen please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you have Facebook, please go over to the page, take a like, interact with it as much as possible. I would really appreciate the traffic. But like I said, it's been an episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. I'm your host, Dean Ryan, from the Tesla Studios here in sunny San Diego. Peace.